What have we seen so far? <coughs> Let's recapitulate. What do we see? <coughs> that if man does appropriate acts called mitzvahs, <coughs> then what happens is his existence is sustained. <coughs> Not only that, <coughs> but he gets the Kedusha flow, which of course sustains his existence. <coughs> he has access to the Yichud of that flow, because the flow from God really means uh, a comprehension of the flow itself. So he can access that Yichud. That act, the, the access to flow itself. So therefore what happens is that flow gives him power and it gives him hasoga of the yichud of God. And therefore, of course, he's able to promote that and if it increases to such an extent as a result of his mitzvahs, he actually brings down the shechina itself. We saw on the reverse <clears throat> that if man does not do uh, mitzvahs, instead he does inappropriate acts called chatoim or sins, then that flow, that kedusha, that shefa, that would go to man is shunted or diverted to the sudden. Therefore, what happens is that he's unique. He feeds off that power or he feeds off that kedusha, that shefa, and he is sustained. But what we see now, it's more than he's sustained. He has access to the nature of the kedusha or the flow itself, whatever it is. In other words, he has access to the yichud that is enmeshed in this flow. In other words, he can deny entry of that yichud to the world, or he can distort the yichud, give it to the goyim, and they will then become more advanced, and they will turn around to the Jews and say, we have the truth, you don't, we will therefore persecute you, which of course in truth has been happening. Not only that, but the siluk shechina, the shechina must remove itself. <clears throat> because if he has power of the yichud, then the Shekhinah, which is the greatest manifestation of Yichud, must remove itself. And of course we see that he has the oiz, the power, the Hatzlocho, of the Shefa that comes down. And of course it's a terrible thing for the Jews. And what I have just illustrated is that this is not a fanciful idea. This idea of the inverse relationship that we have with the Sutton is the true explanation for what happens in history. Every time you see Goyim go up, you will see that Jews go down. Every time you see that Jews go up, advance, then Goyim regress, Goyim go down. Why? Because that is the inverse relationship that exists between the Jew and the Sutton. Therefore it exists between the Jew and the Goy, who many times is the agent of the Sutton. Not all Goyim are the agents of the Sutton, but unfortunately, many Goyim are into choosing evil, therefore the Sutton has shlita over them. He has shlita over the Umasa'ilam, over the nations themselves. Now, what gives the Sutton this awesome power? Is it the sins of the Jews? And the answer is no. The fact that Jews' sins cannot give him power. It cannot give him access to the Yichud. What gives him access to all this is Lashon Hara. <clears throat> because without Lashon Hara, he can't be Makatrig. Without a Kitrug, he cannot call you, he cannot alert Bezdin. And without Bezdin, he cannot prove you guilty. And therefore, he cannot unique from the sin. He's got to prove it was a sin. Therefore, ultimately, it is not the Chet that gives him all this terrible power. It is the Lashon Hara that is spoken by Jews that gives him this power. In other words, it is Mishpat that gives him power. Because Mishpat is, implies Kitrug, if you remember. <clears throat> in other words, 
If you do not speak Lashon Hara, he cannot makatrig. Therefore, he cannot activate Mishpat. Therefore, he starves even though you have Chatoim. But then how do you get a Kapara? Because then God deals with you himself. And he doesn't have to observe the rules and the regulations of the court, the, the heavenly court. He can deal with you the way God does, the way a father does a child. He will punish you, but slowly he'll give you a couple of Yisurin sufferings to awaken you to do tshuva and so on. When God deals with you, then he will deal with you even if you have no merits. Schusim. Because he does not have to follow the rules and regulations of Bezdin. He doesn't have a sudden prosecutor sitting in front of him demanding his yanika from you. But if you speak Lashonara, then the Rebbe himself must accede to the request of the sudden. God must appear in court, so to speak. In other words, the sudden is allowed to makatri because of your Lashonara. Then the Rebbe has to follow the rules that he created once you drag him into court. He has to allow the prosecutor to prosecute, and if you have no merits, and if you have not employed the other, def- other defensive strategies I had mentioned, then woe is you. Because not only does he have access, he can punish you, the one who hears the Lashon Hara, and the one who speaks, or who it's spoken about. But we now see that he has access to the Anika of the Chet, which is much worse than you getting punished. Believe me, because once he has that, he goes throughout the world and literally begins to destroy the Yichud in the world. And as a result of that, that's why Jews have so much persecutions. Not only because of their sins, it's because of the Yenika that he gets. Therefore, it is Lashon Hara that gives him Kitrug, that gives him access to Bezdan, that gives him access to your sins' consequences, namely the Shefa itself. If you don't speak Lashon Hara, then he is powerless, even though you have chatoim. And he becomes impoverished and he dies. It's amazing that Jews can have sins, yet the Satan will die. Because it is only the Kitrug. He can only get his Yuniko by Kitrug. That's the only way. He can get it no other way. It's a mind-boggling idea. You really have to think about this. Because the significance is awesome to the Jew. In other words, if none of us speak Lashonara, even though we have Chatoim, he dies. And if he dies, the nations grow weak. And all of a sudden, the Tegber Sakadush occurs, where there's no more disease and suffering, there's no dictators, there's no evil, there's no crime, there's no falsehood. There is an enormous amount of spirituality, truth, <clears throat> and of course, uh, health uh, and peace in the world. And besides that, there's an incredible amount of Yichud, of the presence of God, the Shekhinah, and of course, when, once that's here, we have an enormous amount of Hasaga. That is what we begin to see. Now, if you think this is all that there is to be discussed, you're wrong. Because the question is, what does a Sutton get today? I have talked about history, that because of the Russian horror that people spoke in those days, he has access to Kedusha, Access to Shefa, the Hashpo itself. He's unique, he nourishes himself off that Yichud, and he does what he wants. Either he conceals the Yichud from the world, or he distorts it, sends it down, and go and take it to persecute Jews. And of course, the Shekhinah must, must be removed. It sounds like what else can a Sutton do worse than what he's done? And the truth is that what he is doing today is much worse than what he did then. Why? And what is it? 
coming here, the true significance of Lashon Hara in the, for the last thousand years that makes the other ideas pale in insignificance. And it's hard to see how anything can pale in insignificance to these ideas. Okay. Let us see what is happening today as a result of Lashon Hara. We see what happened as a result of Lashon Hara then. But what happens as a result of Lashon Hara today? Let us see. We are now going to discuss the last thousand years, which differs significantly from the previous four, four thousand years, or rather five thousand years. There is an enormous difference. What is that difference? There is a very strange Zoha. Let's start with that. The reason why I am saying this, uh, these ideas are not relatively known. And maybe that's an understatement. Uh, the reason why I'm saying this and speaking this way is because you are going to hear truly what is happening. And the, the, the uh, <clears throat> hope that people will not speak Lushan horror justifies my speaking about these incredibly esoteric doctrines, ideas. <clears throat> there is a Zoya that says, there's a Pasuk that says, <clears throat> which is famous. That God says, I will bring the Mashiach Be'ito in its time, Achishen, I will hasten it. And that is clearly referring to the, uh, the Mashiach. Now the Zoya says, it says Be'ito in its time. So the Zoya says what that really means is Be'es He. At the time of five. Be'es He. Because if you take the word Be'ito, it's two words, Be'es He. What does that mean? That at the time of five, at the time of the year 5000, okay, <clears throat> that's when the messianic lights, the awe of the Mashiach, will begin to come down to creation. There's a certain idea called the awe Mashiach, the revelation of the Mashiach. In other words, what does the Mashiach reveal? <clears throat> what exactly is he going to tell us that is so mind-boggling? That is called the awe Mashiach. That is going to begin coming down in the year 5,000. Be'es hey, Because the version says, Be'ito achishena. I will hasten it in its time. When is its time? That's marumas or, or uh, indicated in the word, word Be'es hey, Be'ito. In the time of 5,000. What does all this mean? Okay. What is the Or Mashiach? You must understand what that is. The Or Mashiach is also called the Or Hagonos, the hidden light, or the Or Rishon, the first light. What does that mean? <clears throat> in the beginning, in Bracious Borolakim, it says that God created the heavens and the earth, right? And the earth was unformed and was void and so on, and it was darkness on the face of the deep. deep. And then it says, and the God said, let there be light, Vayumalakim Yeyor, and of course Vayyor, and there was light. And then it says, Vayyer Vayyvokeh, and it was evening and it was morning, Yemechod, one day. Now, there is a difficulty here. Why? Because in every other place it says the second day, the third day, the fourth day. On the first day, it doesn't say Yem Rishon, the first day. It says Yem Echod, day of one, or one day. <clears throat> Why does the Torah change its Lushan? The, the, you know, the way it says. Why does it say first day instead of, like it says in all the other days? Why does it say one day? Now Rashi gives an explanation, 
And he says the reason why it says Yom Echad, because Yom Echad really means day of one. Because on that day there was no living entity besides God. The angels were created on the second day. Therefore the first day was Yom Echad, Yom Shel Echad, the day of one. The day of the one. And who is the one? God. The Yichud, Yichuda, right? But on the second day, it says the way it should say. Second day, third day, fourth day, and so on. This is Rashi. However, if we begin to look at this idea, there is a pnimius to the Yom Echad that is incredible. The Yom Echad, that two words tells us what the old Mashiach is. What the Mashiach will reveal. <clears throat> what is Yom Echad? What Yom Echad means this, and that's why it says Yom Echad. If, if you were around on that first day, watching God create, you know what you would see? <clears throat> you would see the physical universe. You'd see the spiritual universe. But you would see it in a very interesting way. You would see how all of it, the entire creation, emanates from God. It would not be concealed. You would see exactly how an ocean emanates from God himself. In other words, God as the ultimate cause of the physical universe, God as the ultimate cause of the spiritual universe, would not be concealed from you. You would see the manifestation, or in other words, the physical universe and spiritual universe, and you'd see how they actually emanate from the Rabbani Shalom, who is the source of the being. Not only that, but you would see how the Rabbani Shalom, of course, is the ultimate master of all creation, because obviously, if he is the source of creation, he clearly is the master of creation too. This is what you would see. That is why it says, It was the day of one. In other words, even if on that day you saw the entire creation, all the myriad multiplicity of different things, it wouldn't fool you into thinking that they were independent existences from God. Because you would see how everything emanates from God himself. That's why it says, The day of the one. Because on that day, you would know that there is only one thing that exists, God. There is nothing else. Ah, you see all the different things in creation, but you see that they emanate from God. So therefore, it's still the day of one. You see that God is the ultimate cause of the world. Not only that, but if you were at that day, you would see God in you. You would comprehend, as I said previously, the truth and the nature of your own emanation from God. You would see how everything, including yourself, emanates from God himself. That would not be concealed from you on that first day. That, and to maramez that, to indicate that in a secretive way, God says, Yemechod, that the first day was the day of one. On that day, you could see that God was the source and the master of all being. It was not concealed. And you would see, that besides God, there is nothing else. Now, on the second day, this was concealed. Because it says, that God made a division separated between the upper waters and the lower waters. That means God introduced the concept called period. He introduced the concept called differentiation. He now occluded the truth or the relationship that he has with the universe. No more on the second day would you see how the universe and you relate to God. It was hidden. Why? In order to give man a chance to figure that out himself. Now we see, therefore, 
that Yuimechod means a day of one, that the the truth of Yuimechod <coughs> uh, determines why it was called Yuimechod. But what does it say on the first day? It says, and God said, let there be light. What is light? Light does not mean that God created light. What that means is that God created the ability of a being to comprehend that he is the source and the master of creation. Light is a metaphor for knowledge. When somebody says to you, do you see the light? He doesn't mean do you see lights. He means do you see what the light reveals, which is, of course, wisdom, which is reality. <clears throat> light is a metaphor for reality. So when it says that God created the light, the or, what he's really saying that he created the light of Yemechod, the light of the first day, which is the day of the one, that God is the source of all being. In other words, the or that was created in the first day, the or Rishain, the first light, or the or Hagonos, that light which was concealed, refers to that knowledge <clears throat> that a person would have if he existed on that first day. That was concealed from the eyes of all living entities, especially from man. Therefore, we now see that the Or Rishon, the Or Hagonos, is Yim Echod. It's amazing how that when you understand it, Thur literally says it, of course, but it's of course concealed. The first light, or that knowledge which is the first knowledge and is the only knowledge, is the knowledge of Echod, Yim Echod. The knowledge that we understand that God is the ultimate core, the source and master of all existence, all creation. That is the all Mashiach. When the Mashiach comes, he will reveal how every physical phenomena, all science, everything, that physical phenomena emanates from God. Or rather, that all physical phenomena emanates from a spiritual universe. And the spiritual universe itself emanates from God. That is what the Mashiach will reveal. In other words, he will reveal creation totally revealed. That's what he will do. Uh, all physical phenomena, he will reveal the spiritual universe, and you will see the relationship between God, the Yichud, and how everything is manifest from the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom. The spiritual from the Rabbani Shalom, and we from the spiritual. In other words, the knowledge that we will have of the physical universe will be awesome. We will know the ultimate cause. In other words, we will not fool ourselves in thinking that the physical principles or physical phenomena is determined by physical principles, the way scientists think. We will understand the Yichud, that all of it emanates from the spiritual universe which emanates from the Rabban Islam. That is the Or Mashiach, that is the Yim Echad, that is the Or Hagonas or the Or Wishn. Okay, now we understand what the, at least what the Zohar is referring to, that this Or Mashiach, this Or Wishn, began to come down in the beginning of 5,000. In the beginning of the five, it was in the year 5,000, it began to come down. But why then? For that, we must understand another idea called the creation clock, which is a different clock than we use. What is the creation clock? It says in Telem, Ki elef shonim as 1,000 years, or rather, 1,000 years in your eyes, is Kiyom Esmoel, is as a day that passed. What does that mean? What it means is that 1,000 years in the history of man is the same, is considered to God as one of the days which passed, and that refers to the days of the first week of creation. Therefore, 1,000 years of our years is considered by God as one day of His, which is 
the first six days of creation. Therefore, every thousand years of us corresponds to one day of creation. First thousand years was the first day of creation, second thousand years was the second day of creation, and so on. <clears throat> now, uh, in other words, one day is equal to one thousand years. <clears throat> when five thousand years had passed, that is the same thing as saying that the five days had passed, which mean, means that in that time, at, in the year 5000, that was the beginning of the sixth day. Now we know that Arab Shabbos begins the sixth day. Therefore, the preparations for Shabbos, which is of course the Messianic era, begins in the sixth day, because we begin preparing for Shabbos in the beginning of the sixth day. Therefore, God begins preparing for the Messianic era, right, also in the sixth day, which of course is the year 5000. That is what the Zoya means. Be'es hey, in the big time of the 5,000 years, which is equal to the beginning of the sixth day in God's uh, time, which is equal, of course, to Erev Shabbos, and that's when you begin preparing for Shabbos, and therefore that is when the Mashiach begins to descend. Now that year was 1240. 1240 on the English calendar is equivalent to the year 5,000. And you will re begin to see remarkable coincidences at that time. <clears throat> but remember, <clears throat> at that time, could you imagine that the Al-Mashiach begins coming down? Right? Which is an incredible idea. In other words, the Kedusha that was coming down contained in it the knowledge of Messianic ideas, which is the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom, And how everything can be reduced to the Yichud or to ultimate principles. That's what began coming down. But wait a minute. If the Jews begin getting it, not because of their mitzvahs, but because the time demands that the all-rishon come down, what happens if the Jews sin? Who gets it? The Satan. Which is an incredible idea. It comes out that the all-rishon begins coming down in the year 1240 or the year 5000 because the time dictates it because of Erev Shabbos, it comes out that if the Jews begin sinning, who begins taking that Kedusha, that Shefa, the Satan? Because he's Yonik from us, so if we're getting this old Mashiach, right, this old Rishon, if we do sins, then he is also getting this old Mashiach, which is horrendous. Not only is he getting the Yichud, he's getting the Messianic or itself. And that is the beginning of the explanation of why you see what is going on for the last thousand years. Let's take a look. The Zoya was discovered right around the time of 1240. Why? Because the Zoya is the, uh, the, uh, the metaphoric sefer, the sefer that describes the pneumius of the Bria. Okay? And that was discovered right around the year 5000. The beginning of the Messianic light. The Baya, the Sefer Baya, which is a Kabbalistic text, also, which is the uh, premise of the Bria, the, uh, or the, uh, the uh, Old Mashiach in metaphors, because that's really what it is, in Mishalom, or metaphors, that's also discovered at that time. This is what begins happening at that time. Why? Because the Old Mashiach begins coming down as predicted by the Zoya itself, Be'es Hay. In the beginning of the 5,000 years, the beginning of Erev Shabbos, the lights, the messianic lights come down. That, that, those, the knowledge of, uh, of Mashiach begins coming down. But wait a minute. The Jews sin. 
Therefore, the Sultan is unique. He begins grabbing the Omashiach. But if he grabs the Omashiach, then what happens? He takes the Messianic light, distorts it, and gives it to the Goyim. That is why you begin seeing a tremendous advance in the wisdom and knowledge of civilization. <clears throat> because at, in 1240, around that time, Roger Bacon lived, who is the beginning or the founder of the scientific method. Science, if you ask yourself, what is science? Science seeks to explain physical phenomena. But how? Science realizes that all physical phenomena can be reduced to ultimate principles. <clears throat> That itself is a tremendous advancement in thinking. That physical, the hundreds and hundreds of millions of different physical phenomena is not disparate or separate from each other, but that they are all related by common ideas. The concept of science is to reduce all physical phenomena to, to fundamental principles. Like Einstein, E equals mc square. That energy is really mass, concentrated mass. That's a reduction. And that's really what they're trying to reduce today, all forces into the four fundamental forces. But science is a distortion of that principle. In other words, what the Omashiach does, it reduces all things to the fundamental idea of Yichud. What science does, it reduces all things or physical phenomena, but it says that the ultimate causes of physical phenomena is physical, not spiritual. That's a murdering distortion that science does. But what do you want from the Satan? That's what he does. So what he does is he begins bringing down that Chokhmah that the Goyim began seeing, the scientific method that tells them that reality is really a, a fun, has fundamental ideas which can explain all physical phenomena. But what he tells Goyim is not that there's a Ruchnius digger the universe or that God is behind the whole thing, that the oneness of God is behind the whole thing, what he tells him is that physical phenomena, or rather that the answers or the physical principles that underlie all physical phenomena is physical. So it's part messianic because it's the concept that physical phenomena can be reduced to ultimate principles, but is a tremendous sheker. In other words, it's the Omashiach Bederach Tumor. It is the messianic comprehension in a murdiger, in a tremendous defiled way. Because science looks at it that the physical foundations of the world is physical, not spiritual, which is a corruption. It's a distortion of the concept that all things are reduced. But they say it's reduced to physical principles. And of course the old Mashiach says it's reduced to the yichud of the Rabbani Shlom. That's what it is. Therefore, the Sutton is unique, and right around the time that the Mashiach, that the old Mashiach, the old Rishon starts coming down, our long peers, Roger Bacon, who is the beginner of the scientific method. Now, all of a sudden, there's a race. The, the lights keep coming down. Therefore, there is a tendency of the Jews to approach the Pneumius of Torah more and more. Therefore, you have the Kabbalists, you have the Ari. Why are all these things coming closer and closer? Because of the Shefa of the Orishan itself coming down. But wait a minute. The Satan is being unique, that Shefa. He is taking that for himself. And an incredible thing begins to happen. <clears throat> the year 1740 is the year 5500, which in the calendar of creation, the, clock, uh, the calendar of creation 
is equivalent to dawn or daybreak. In other words, <clears throat> daybreak happens in the year 5,500. 5,000 is what? Is nighttime of the sixth day. 12 hours later is another 500 years of 1,000 years. It's half. Therefore, 5,500 is equivalent to dawn of the sixth day, where the light begins to right, uh, spread, manifest itself. And that is equivalent to the year 1740. In the year 1740, there was supposed to be an enormous proliferation or expansion of this Omashiach because of the dawn of the uh, sixth day, which is equivalent to the year of 7, 000, uh, 1740, which is equivalent to the, of course, year 5,500. So therefore, at that time, a decision has to be made. Who would this all Mashiach go to? And again, it's dependent on the, of course, the, uh, the actions of the Jews. Now, there's a very interesting Kotzka. Uh, the Kotzka Rebbe said a very interesting idea concerning the Zoya. He said that in that time, there's a tremendous hashpor or messianic light that was supposed to come down. Either the Jews get it or the Goyim will get it. What was he referring to? Of course we know. Either the Jews get it if they do mitzvahs. If they don't, then the Goyim get it, gets it because the Satan gets it. Because he gets those errors, those lights, those knowledges that we get. But since we're supposed to get the messianic lights, knowledge, then he gets the messianic lights. <clears throat> and that is why, right before 1740, you begin to see an awesome series of events in Kleistrom that again indicates, depicts, the incredible inverse relationship that we have with the Sutton. <clears throat> and what is that? Well, obviously the Jews lost out, because we, we obviously don't have that old Mashiach. In other words, the sins of the Jews is what enabled the Sutton to be unique, to take the old Mashiach itself, which comes down because the time dictates that it comes down. And as a result of that, he is able to take this Kedusha and use it for himself. So he is able to take the oils, the power from the Jews. And what happens? In 1648, there's the Chmelniki massacres, which destroyed one-third of the Jews of Europe. Most people don't realize how devastating that was. <clears throat> but one-third of Jews of Europe died in those massacres, which is incredible. Why? That is the oils, the power that the Jews had, that went to the Goyim. And the Goyim, of course, used it to create an enormous pogrom, the Cossack Revolution. There you see the switch of the Oiz, and you should know that the Cossack Revolution, the Khmelnik massacres, rivals the Holocaust at, in proportion to the Jews that lived then. One third of the Jews of Europe, and of course most Jews were in Europe. But how could that happen? And the answer is because he took the Oiz. <clears throat> what we're supposed to get, he got. Now, that is one thing he took. Another event which he, which the Sutton uh, caused is a very strange phenomenon. At, in, at that time, in 1650, 1670, there lived a person called Shabzai Tzvi, who was the greatest false Mashiach that ever lived. He was an imposter through and through. But the question is, how did he have such enormous success? And the answer is very simple. Why? Because what gave Shabzai Tzvi his success was the Sutton himself. What the Sutton, in effect, is saying to the Jews is that you are really supposed to get the old Mashiach or the Mashiach. Instead, you will get the false Mashiach. 
which of course is Shabzai's fee. Not only that, so knows you are supposed to get the messianic lights, the true O Mashiach, <clears throat> around that time, because it's the daybreak of the sixth day, the daybreak of Erev Shabbos. To indicate that you will not get the O Mashiach, that you have lost it, you will get Shabzai Tzvi instead. Not only that, but Shabzai Tzvi converted to Islam, which indicates that the O Mashiach went to the Goyim. The event itself indicates the pnimius of what occurred. And it's interesting that the Shabzai Tzvi event is what caused Jews to reject the pnimius of Torah, to reject the, ha- the Hashkofa and the Kabbalah, because they were afraid that whoever would, was learning that would be a, a, a follower of Shabzai Tzvi. So it comes out that the Jews themselves rejected the Orishan. They themselves removed it. And that is why the Baal Shem Tov had so much problems. Because the Baal Shem Tov was trying to spread Hasidus, which essentially consists of a lot of the, the ideas of Ashkof and Kabbalah. Therefore, he was such a near-dove, he was persecuted because once the Sultan was taking it, and he had the power, of course, he could influence the Jews themselves to reject the Baal Shem Tov. That is why he had such terrible redifus. And that is also why the Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim had such redifus. Because he was revealing the messianic ideas. His Svarim revealed the interpretation of the Nimshal. The internal design of creation. And that is why he had to go through such terrible redifus. Because both of, them, both of these people arrived, the Baal Shem, to spread the ideas. And the Ramchal to bring down these ideas, these messianic ideas, or the ideas of the internal design of creation, they both suffered such terrible persecutions because since the Satan had access to that all because of the Chatoim and the Lashonara of Jews, therefore these people who were trying to spread it had tremendous persecutions. And of course, what happened? So the Satan got the oiz, the power, and that is reflected through the Cossack Revolution, where one-third of European Jews died. The Sultan got the, the Teferis, the Chochmah. How? Because at the same time was born and lived the beginning of science, who is Sir Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton is the beginning of modern science. He lived at the same time of Shabzai Tzvi and the Cossack Revolution. Again, because science began in earnest at the same time Jews suffered such terrible persecutions, Jews had Shabzai Tzvi, and Jews themselves rejected the premise of the Torah, the internal design of creation. Isaac Newton, and that was the real, the real beginning of science. Again, you see the incredible, uh, uh, in the inverse relationship. You also see that history is understood when you understand the internal design of creation. Because that's what moves history, and not what historic, uh, historians think. In other words, instead of us getting the Orishan more and more, the Sultan took it. He used it, he took the Yichud, not only the Shekhinah, but the Yichud of the Mashiach of the Orishan, which is a much greater Yichud than the Shekhinah itself. It's a Yichud of the Shekhinah, the Derech Gevoya Mi'oid. He took that Yichud, he distorted it, and he gave it in the form of science. Because science realizes that all reality can be reduced to ultimate principles. But it's the Orishan B'derech Tumah. It is a defiled and polluted Orishan because scientists use it. To th- they think that physical phenomena 
is understood by physical principles. Not only that, but they use it to distort truth. Darwin. That's why Darwin, again, was it actually around 18, 18, the 19th century. Again, they use science and they distort it. To, to, in other words, what scientists say is that since we see <clears throat> that all physical phenomena is understood by physical principles, what do we need God? They don't believe in God. In other words, science itself promotes atheism because they feel that they can explain physical phenomena without recourse to the Rebbeinu So it comes out that the Sotan uses the Yichud itself, distorts it, and science uses their knowledge to distort the truth and to promote atheism. And that is why there is a postic that we say in davening in the morning, Admosai uscho bashvi, how long, and this is the classic posik, and this is what it really means, Admosai uscho bashvi, how long will your oiz, right, your power, bashvi, be in captivity? Who is the captivity? In the hands of the satan. Visifatcho biatso, and your teferis, your chokmah, in the hands of the enemy. How long will your teferis and your oiz be in the hands of the satan that uses it against us? That's why he is called the enemy. The Pusik reveals what is exactly going on. And that is why what's happening is because of the Lashon of the Jews, the knowledge that is coming down which is converted to science and, gives, and converted to the power that Goyim have that is why there are over 7,000 journal articles that come out every day and knowledge is doubling every five and a half years. That is why. Because as we get closer to the time of the, uh, the year 2000, uh, uh, 2240, the ore comes out in a more intense form. Therefore, the Sutton who is taking it is able to produce greater and greater science. That is why there's such an enormous rapidity of scientific ideas. Even scientists can't keep up with the amount of knowledge that's going on. Because that's exactly what's happening. They have an enormous access to the Yichud, not only the Shekhinah, but the Yichud of the Shekhinah in the form of the Mashiach, the O Mashiach, in the form of the O Rishon. <clears throat> that is what's going on today. But how is this caused? This is caused not by the sins of the Jews. It is caused by the Lush and horror of the Jews. Because only the Lush and horror gives him access to the Yichud of the Rabbani Shlom. Not the Chatoim. The sins cannot enable him to Makatreg. It is the Lush and horror that gives him the power of Kitrug, which gives him the power of the Shefa that the Chet would give the Jew. It is the Lushan Hora that is removing the, the messianic lights, the old Mashiach, from us. Therefore, we see that if you don't speak Lushan Hora, you actually makarv the Gu'ula. You actually bring the redemption closer. Why? Because you bring the old Mashiach coming down, as the Zoya says, because it's the sixth day or 5,000 years, and it goes back to the Jews, which means that there will be an enormous amount of power enormous amount of Hatzlocho, an enormous amount of Chochmah in the Pneumus of the Torah to the Jews themselves. And of course, the one who brings that will be the Mashiach. That is why he who doesn't speak Lashonara is truly Makar of the Gula, truly ushers in the Messianic time, the, uh, the Moshe Mashiach. 
And you understand it perfectly, because that's what's coming down. So instead of speaking Lashon Hara and giving the Sot and Kitrug and access to all that or if you don't speak Lashon Hara, if you have Shmir Salashin, of course, he cannot Makatreg, he depletes and he dies, and of course, we get it. Therefore, he thrives and grows, you should know, in our ignorance. We don't know what's happening. That's why I'm telling you, when you speak Lashon Hara today, it is not merely taking you to Besdom and forcing you to go through punishment, you and the one who heard the Lashon Hara and the one who had spoken about. It's much worse. <clears throat> it's not only that the Satan hides the Yichud from the world and promotes evil. It's what's happening in the last thousand years is that he has access to the Yichud of the Shekhinah in the form of the Orishan. That's what we're giving him. So if we do not speak Lashon Hara, not only do we, does he not have access to the Yichud of the Shekhinah, he does, not have the, he does not have the access to the Yichud of the, uh, the uh, Or Mashiach itself. And by the, by the way, the Holocaust indicates the switch in the Oiz that he has. That's why, just like there's enormous intensity in science in the last 40 years, that would indicate that the Or Mashiach is coming down even faster, so he gets more Oiz, which means he can get nations to kill us more, and that's why you have the Holocaust. That's one of the ideas why there's a Holocaust. Because that's his oiz, the intensity of that Kedusha coming down is more and more as we get closer to the year 2240. Therefore, his Chochmah, that he distorts, is more. That's why there's an intensification of science. And that is why the oiz goes much more to the Goyim. And that's why you have a Holocaust. But it's because of the Lushen horror of the Jews. That is what is doing it. Now that we understand this framework... We can now answer all the statements, the Mamori Chazal, that I had brought previously. And let us see how it works out. Now, I had mentioned one Chazal that says, That rains are withheld because of those who speak Lashon Hara. And it also says that somebody speaks Lashon Hara, his livelihood is diminished. Well, now it makes perfect sense. Why is it that our livelihood is diminished? What is our livelihood? Our livelihood is where we de derive nourishment. Of course, if you speak Lashon Hara, he has access to Kitrev, he then can haul us into court, he then takes the Anika, the nourishment from our sins, and he eats. If he eats, we starve. In other words, the physical manifestation of him taking the Kedusha, him eating, is us starving. Therefore, rains are withheld, and our livelihood is diminished. It's perfect. That's exactly what happens. It's Midikaneged Midah. You are feeding him by your Loshinara, which is giving him Kitrug, which is enabling him to derived and sustained and derived nourishment from your Kedusha, then it's Medica Negimita. Your livelihood will be diminished and your reins will be withheld. Perfect. There's an exact equation. That's one idea. That's one, uh, that's uh, two Chazals. <clears throat> we also understand why Somebody who speaks Lashinara does not receive the Shekhinah. Why is that? Again, because if you speak Lashinara, 
and he puts you into court, it's not the fact that you are now being judged. It's not your punishment. It's the second dimension. That the, Lush, the Lushanara gives him kitrib, which gives him the yinika of your chatoim, your sins, right? And he is able to have access to the yichud to such an extent where he can remaster the yichud, conceal the yichud, and remove the shechina. If he removes the shechina, then mida keneged mida, you will not see the shechina. Since you allowed him to remove the shechina, then you will not be privy to receive the shechina. Again, perfect. Mida keneged mida. Because you enable him to mamish displace the shechina. And therefore, since you allowed him to displace the shechina, you will not be zeicha merit to receive the shechina. Again, it's a perfect midah connected midah. It's incredible. Once we understand the second dimension, the chazals are so simple to understand. That's what happens. Okay? That is one. Another chazal, anybody speaks Lashonah, the Rav says, I and he cannot live in the same world. Again, because the Sotan gets the Yanika, because Lashonah gives access to the Kitrut, he gets the Yanika, right? And as a result of that, he can remove me from the world. So if you speak Lashonara, I and you cannot live in the same place because the Sultan has access to the Yichud. He's able to master the Yichud of God and therefore I must leave. You are enabling him to push me out of the world. Simple. Again we see the Chazal is perfectly understood once you understand the total framework of Lashonara. We also understand another Chazal. That anybody who speaks Lashon Hara removes the Shechina. Melamata Lamaila. In other words, he actually moves the Shechina. And again, we understand very simply. <clears throat> of course he moves the uh, Shechina. Because when you speak Lashon Hara, he's Makatreg. He takes your Kedusha, your Shefa, Hashpor, your connection to God. He's able to take it for himself. He has access to the Yichud of that Shefa. And of course, he's able to remove the Shechina if the Kedusha that is coming to you is the same Kedusha as the Shechina. Okay? Therefore, when he's mastered the Yichud of God or he distorts the Yichud, then the Rebbe Shalom must remove himself as a result of the power that the Satan has because of your Chatoim. So again, that Chazal makes perfect sense. And of course, this also does. That God says... <clears throat> That because of your sins of Lashon Hara, I have removed my Shechina. Again, because you have given him the power to be master the Yichud, therefore I have to remove the Shechina. But in the future, when I will take away the Eight Sahara, and therefore you will no more speak Lashon Hara, then I will return my Shechina, because then of course there's nothing stopping it. Very simple to understand, once you understand the entire framework. And we also understand, <clears throat> why is it that Lashon Hara defects creates a defect in the Kisya Kovoid. Well, now you understand. Because since he can access the Shechina itself, the Yichur of the Shechina, then that's terrible. <clears throat> you are Pogea, you are defecting the Shechina itself. And even worse, the Satan is able to access the Omashiach, the Orishin itself, which is incredible. <clears throat> that's what it means that because your Lashon Hara, the effects goes up to the Kisya Kavod, up to the Divine Throne itself. That's how much power <clears throat> you give the Satan. That he can access the Yichud of the Shechina, and even the Yichud of the Shechina in the form of the Orishin, which is horrendous. 
And now you understand why the Vilna Goin says in the name of the Medrash what the Medrash really means. That for every second that you don't say Lashon Hara, you will receive an Or Hagonuz that no Malach has ever seen. What does that mean? <clears throat> Especially in the last thousand years, since he is taking the Orishan, if you don't give him the Orishan, you will get that Orishan. In other words, he, in the last thousand years, is taking, or in the last, certainly the last thousand years, but actually longer than that, he is taking the Orishan, because that's what's coming down. <clears throat> and he has been accessing the Yichud of the Shekhinah in the form of the Orishan. Therefore, if you don't speak Lashinara, he cannot access that Orishan. Therefore, you will be Zerchah to that Orishan which you are giving him. So if you do not speak Lashinara, you will receive an Orishan that no Malach can comprehend as a result of Midah, Keneged, Midah. Now you understand why Lashinara destroyed the second temple. Because Lashinara gave him access to the Kedush of Jews. It gave him access to the Yichud of the Shekhinah. And he was able to remaster the Yichud of God to such an extent where God said that he has a right to control the Yichud to such an extent because of the Lashon Hara which revealed or gave him the Yenika of, of the sins of the Jews to such an extent that I must destroy my temple and I must leave. That is why it was destroyed. <clears throat> and also we understand why if you speak Lashon Hara it is as if you deny the, 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 deny the belief in God. Because when you speak Lashon Hara and what does a sudden do? He is able to create or promote tremendous amount of concealment of oneness of God and creation. Well, what are you really doing? You are allowing him to create atheism and all kinds of evil and ideas which contradict the existence of God. So even though you yourself are not Koifabika, but it's Ki'ilu Koifabika. Because you are allowing the sudden to create situations in the world <clears throat> which clearly promote atheistic ideas or ideas that deny the existence of God. So it's as if you worship, or as if, worship, uh, rather, it's as if you do not believe in God, which is, makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> also, <clears throat> we understand an interesting Chazal, that Chazal say, Omar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Bereshim said, Yovoi Nochosh, let the Nochosh, the snake, Shehischa Buloshon HaRatchilo, who was the first one to speak Lashon Hara. Let him come via Pora and exact payment from those who speak Lashon Hara. <clears throat> what does that mean? What that Medrash says is very simple. <clears throat> Let the snake come <clears throat> who spoke Lashon Hara first <clears throat> and therefore he therefore must wait for your Lashon Hara in order for him to get the Kitrug let him come and exact his Yenika from you who speak Lashon Hara, which is the only way he can get the Yenika. The Medrash Mamish says it openly, but without this framework, how would you ever know what it says? And <clears throat> the last Chazal I want to mention is an interesting Chazal that is learnt in a totally different way. Chazal say that Mit Baroy, Roy Begezel, most people uh, 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 are... Uh, commit the sin or the majority of people are caught in uh, robbery and in stealing. Many people steal because they justify and rationalize it themselves. Meet Barroyas. A minority are caught in acts of immorality, incest, adultery, and so on. Vahakoblash and Hara. Everybody speaks Lash and Hara. Now normally people learn that 
Chazal, what it means is this, that a minority transgress or they're caught in the sin of immorality and so on <clears throat> because people know it's a sin. A majority are caught in stealing because people rationalize and justify and say, well, it's my boss, he'll never know, he owes me anyway and so on. A majority get caught in stealing. Everybody gets caught in Lashonara because it's so easy to commit. You just speak and, and it's, uh, before you know it, you've spoken Lashonara. But the truth is, if you really want to think of this Chazal in its premise, it has another meaning. Why is everybody, <clears throat> why does everybody fall in the sin of Lashonara? Why does everybody transgress, you know? Because since Lashonara is the only way he has access to your Kitrug, he will make sure that you will fall in Lashonara. He has no choice. The reason why everybody falls in Lashonara isn't because it's an easy sin. <clears throat> That's a superficial understanding. The reason why everybody falls in Lashonara is because the only way he has access to your Chatoim, your Yenika, the Yenika to himself, is if he gets you to sin in Lashonara. Therefore, he makes sure, he works overtime to make sure that everybody will speak Lashonara. Because Lashonara to him is meal, it's eating. If you don't speak Lashonara, then you shrivel up part of him. Therefore, he will make sure, you know, it's the greatest chet that the Sultan wants to do to you to make sure that you will do is Lashonara. Because it's not merely a sin. It is the only way he can survive. Therefore, every strategy that he can think of, he will employ to get you to speak Lashonara. Because it's... Without Lashonara, even if you have sins, he will not survive. Because without Kitrik, he can't survive. He needs your Lashonara. Therefore, everybody speaks Lashonara because he makes it his business that everybody speaks Lashonara so he can survive. Which, of course, is a, a different way of understanding it. And, and, of course, by the way, <clears throat> if we think of it, Baal Lashonara... The word Baal Lashon Hara, the numerical equivalent of Baal Lashon Hara, the Gematria, is equal to Ein Mekabal Pnei That if you speak Baal Lashon Hara, you speak Lashon Hara, Ein Mekabal Pnei he does not receive the face of the Shechina because that's what he drove away as a result of the inverse relationship. So that reveals the second dimension. And it's also Gematria Hanocha Shel Odom Chava. The snake... Of Adam and Chava, it knows that you arouse the snake of Adam and Chava to Mekatrig, and that is reveals the first dimension that the only way he can be aroused, the only way you can interface with that Nochash is by speaking Lashonara. That's the only way he can Mekatrig. So the Gematria itself, <clears throat> interestingly enough, reveals two different statements: Ein Mekabel Pnei Ashchina and Anochash Adam Chava, which illustrate both dimensions. What do we see from this entire discussion? <clears throat> An enormous truth. That there are two ways God deals with your sins. If you speak Lashonara, then you must go through Mishpat. And the Satan has access to Kitrug, Midu Keneged Midu, and therefore you must stand in trial. But the Satan doesn't do it merely to entice you, <clears throat> merely so you should get punished. Which happens anyway. He does it because, of course, survival. So we see an enormous idea that if you don't speak Lashon Hara, he will die even though you have Chatoim. And in Bismana in 1987, what he really is getting is the O Mashiach. That is why science proliferates to such an enormous extent. 
And that is why the Holocaust was able to occur. <clears throat> okay? That is why it is so urgent not to speak Lashon Hara. I have spoken many ideas now. Ideas which most people have never heard of. Why? Because <clears throat> the reason why he is winning and dancing on our heads is because we are ignorant of what our Lashon Hara does for him. It is time that Jews understood and not be afraid to look at the Pneumius Atera, to look at the internal design of creation. Don't run away from these ideas, because your ignorance means your death. That's exactly what's happened to Jews in the last thousand years. Your knowledge means his death. Therefore, you cannot run away. You must know these ideas, review them a thousand times, in order not to speak Lashon Hara. And the benefits of Shmir Salosh and not speaking Lashon Hara is not only do you not get judged, and if somebody speaks Lashon Hara about you, you will not get judged as Ayn Hara, but you will save the world, you will bring back the Shechina, you will bring back the O Mashiach to the Jews instead of the Sultan getting it. Now, what I'd like to do now is go into the area, a very strange area, and that is the idea, or that, the, that portion of the Torah which talks about Negoim, or Tzoras. Now, in Vayikra, in the Torah, <coughs> it talks about <coughs> what seemingly is some kind of a disease called Tzoras, or Negoim. Now, <coughs> what is important to know is that Tzoras is not a true physical disease. It wasn't an actual clinical pathology that a person had but rather it was a, some kind of a skin discoloration. Uh, it was some kind of an unnatural skin color. In other words, the skin assumes various unnatural shades of color. That's what Saras was. And if you had some kind of an unnatural shade of color, shades of white or whatever on the skin, then this was a symptom of Saras. <coughs> and um, if you were, if you did have tzaras, in other words, if you were a mitzora, a mitzora is one who had tzaras, then you were, you, you were rendered tomei. Tomei, of course, means that you were defiled, or you were spiritually unclean. Not physically unclean, but spiritually unclean. In other words, you could defile or make spiritually unclean men, if you touch them, vessels, food, or drink. You could actually make them tomei or defile them, and you yourself, of course, were defiled, you were Tomei. This is if you were Matsura, in other words, if you had Tsaras. Now, if you were Matsura, you could not come in contact that was holy. For instance, you could not eat of sacrifices that were offered in the temple. You couldn't even walk into the temple if you were Matsura. This is the practical application, of course, if you had Tsaras, if you were Matsura. But what's important to remember is that Tsaras is not a physical disease. It's really some kind of a skin discoloration. If a person had that, and he had the proper signs of it, uh, the symptoms, <clears throat> then he would be called imitsura, one who had saras, and he would be tomei. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> uh, one of the uh, peculiarities of uh, imitsura, one who had saras, was that he had to be isolated from society. He had to be yeshi bodod, to be isolated, to sit alone outside of the camp of Israel. Now, <clears throat> when you look at in the English translations of the Torah, you'll see that they refer to it, negat saras, as a plague of leprosy. That is a distortion. It is not true. Tsaras is not leprosy. Uh, the reason why the English translators confused it with leprosy is because he who had Tsaras, 
he who was a Mitzura had to remain isolated or had to be quarantined outside the camp of Israel. He could not be amongst where people resided. Therefore, people imagined that just like leprosy, you had to be isolated from society. They equated Saras with leprosy. They thought that since Saras has to be isolated and leprosy, a person was isolated, therefore uh, Saras is leprosy. That is false. Saras was not leprosy. Uh, rather, we would say that negat saras means a mark or an affliction of saras, and saras is some kind of a, uh, a skin discoloration that appeared on the skin. This uh, gives us certain definitions which we now can begin to work with. Now, <clears throat> what exactly <clears throat> does, it, does the, uh, uh, the Torah indicate about saras? <clears throat> well, let's take a look at various chazal. And we will see that Tsuras itself is very mystical. <clears throat> Chazal say that Kolam Sapa anybody who speaks Lashinhara, Negoim Boim Olov. He is the recipient of Negoim, or Negoim is another name for afflictions, it's another name for Tsuras. In other words, anybody who speaks Lashinhara, he gets Tsuras, he becomes a Matsura. <clears throat> and uh, actually, it's indicated in another Chazal where it says, Zeus Tiaturas HaMatsura. It says in the Torah, this will be the law of the Metzirah. al HaMetzirah, do not read, this is the law of the Metzirah. Read, this is the law of HaMetzirah, and there's a play on that, Hameti Shemra, he who issues a false report on somebody else. In other words, he who speaks Lashon Hara. So we see according to this Chazal, <coughs> that the connection between uh, uh, Lashon Hara and Tsaras is biblical. That the Torah itself alludes to the fact that if you speak Lashon Hara, you get Saras, you become a Mitzvah. The question, of course, we, men, we must ask is, what is the connection? Why is it if you speak Lashon Hara, do you get Saras? What does one have to do with the other? That's the first question we want to ask. The second question is that it says, Kolomasap Lashon Hara, anybody speaks Lashon Hara, Negoim Boim Olov, Negoim come upon him. We can ask, why does it say Negoim Tsaras comes upon him? It should just say Ne'enash B'Tsaras, that he, is, he suffers or he is punished with Tsaras. What do you mean somebody who speaks Lashon Hara, Negoim descends or comes upon him? That's a very unusual kind of expression. It should just say, anybody who speaks Lashon Hara, he will be afflicted, he will be punished with Tsaras. Instead, the, the Chazal use a, a much a, a different kind of expression, a rather odd expression. There is another Chazal, which really doesn't make sense when you look at it, which is extremely mystical. It says in the Midrash Tanchuma, V'chein atomeitzi b'nochesh ha'kadmoini. And you will find by the nochesh ha'kadmoini means the, prime, uh, the uh, primeval snake. The first snake, the snake, of course, by Adam v'chava, the one who tried to entice them, is called the nochesh You, It says there that, V'chein atomeitzi b'nochesh ha'kadmoini. And you will find by the nochesh ha'kadmoini, that original snake, since it spoke Lashon Hara on God, as we had mentioned before, that it's, it, when it talked about, uh, when it tried to, when the Nochesh tried to entice Chava to eat from the tree in Adam, it used the argument that God himself got his powers from the tree, and that's why he told you not to eat from it, because he doesn't want you to be the same as he, and that was pure Mitzi Shemra, because of course it was a lie. He was defaming, denigrating God, and not only that, he was lying. He, was, he said that God, of course, derives his power from the tree, which, which of course is false. So the Medrash says that you will find by the Nochesh because he said Lashon Hara on God, 
he got tsaras. God afflicted the nochosh, the snake, with tsaras. That's an incredible statement. First of all, the reason why it's so difficult to understand is the only ones who can get tsaras is either man, houses, or clothing. This is what it says in the Torah. So how in the world is it possible that a snake gets tsaras? This is incredible. That's the first question. The second question is that the Nochosh HaKadmoni was the Eight Sahara. What does it mean that the Eight Sahara got tsaras? That's incredible. What does that mean that it got tsaras? And we can ask, uh, in other words, how does the Eight Sahara get tsaras? What is that supposed to mean? Is he punished with tsaras? The way man is punished if he speaks Lashonara? It doesn't even begin to have an understanding. And also we can begin to wonder, how does the tsaras manifest itself on the Nochosh? What does all this mean? Obviously, Chazal are aware of something, the connection between Tsaras and Lashon Haral, which is totally removed from us, totally concealed from us. They understood the Pneumius of Tsaras because they understood the Pneumius of Lashon Haral. <clears throat> and they were able to connect the two because the two reveals the connection. We have to, of course, wonder what is that connection. But in some way, it's revealed through this Chazal. Again, it says <clears throat> also in the Midrash, it says a Pasuk in Mishlei that he who guards his tongue and his mouth from speaking uh, Lashon Hara, guards himself against troubles that will come upon his soul. Now the Medrash says, The Medrash says, he who guards, in other words, the Medrash says, read the Pasuk this way, he who guards himself uh, from speaking any kind of Lashon Hara, <clears throat> he also guards himself, or he pr prevents from occurring troubles, or rather tsaras, on his soul. In other words, instead of reading mitsoras nafshayim, he guards himself from the problems of his soul, it says read mitsoras nafshayim. If you don't speak Lashon Hara, he guards against the tsaras that comes upon his soul. What does that mean? It should say from the tsaras that comes upon his goof, its body, because tsaras was some kind of skin discoloration that occurred in the flesh, in the skin of the flesh. What kind of tsaras lies on the soul? What does that mean? This again is also a question which we have to try to understand. <clears throat> so therefore we begin to see that chazal are really very difficult to understand, and somehow they connected into a framework which we are not aware of. Now, <clears throat> what have we seen so far? <clears throat> that Lashon Hara permits Kitrug, <clears throat> an accusation by the Sotan, on all sins of that individual. And this, of course, provides unique or nourishment to the Sotan from the Kedusha that would have flowed to that individual. Instead, that Kedusha flows to the Sotan. And of course, the Sotan gets the Kedusha from all the sins that he can accuse. Uh, so we see, therefore, that it provides, the Lashon provides the Anika to the Sotan from the Kedusha flow that would have gone to the Jew had he done the mitzvah, instead he did the Avera, the Chet, the sin, therefore it goes to the Sotan. From all the Chatoim that the Sotan can accuse this individual of, which basically is all of them, since he spoke Lashon Hara. What that does, it gives to the Sotan tremendous oiz, or power, success. And of course, we know that the effect of that, of course, is tremendous Tikbar Sarah. 
which means that there's a tremendous proliferation of evil. Evil grows. Therefore, it's able to be master the yichud of God, to conceal the absolute oneness of God, which I had spoken about. And this, of course, removes the Shekhinah, if that's what's coming to the Jews, or it distorts the yichud uh, to the world, or it actually distorts the Orishan or the Or Mashiach itself. I had mentioned this previously. Now, what are the Tikbar Surah effects on the individual who generated it? What exactly was, uh, what were the effects or the consequences of the Tigber Sarah for that individual who caused the Tigber Sarah? Well, what happened was, is that the Sultan was able to issue forth a tremendous amount of Tumor or Zoyamor. Now, Tumor means defilement. Zoya means pollution or defilement also. The Sultan was able to issue forth a tremendous amount of tumor or zoyama that surrounded the soul of the individual who spoke Lashonara or who heard Lashonara. <clears throat> now, what, what does zoyama really mean? It's like a control cable. In other words, if the sudden can spread you with zoyama, it's like its own venom. It can uh, 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 pervade you with its own venom, which means that it has a tremendous amount of control over you. It's like an octopus with its tentacles. The octopus is able to send out its tentacles and therefore control things within its reach. When you did a chet, if you spoke Lashon Haram, and it was Tegbar Sarah, the Sultan was able to send out, send out its tentacle, which we can use as an example, which was called Zoyama, Tumor, and that was able to control you. That Tumor or Zoyama surrounded your nefesh and was able to control you. That pollution or defilement surrounded the soul. And the control that the Sutton had on you were manifested itself in various ways. One of the ways is that your drives to sin, the drives that you had for pleasure or whatever, grew worse. A second way is that the Sutton was able to uh, force you to go into worst tempting situations, worst nisyenes, where you would be tempted even further or even greater as a result of the fact that you sinned on a lighter temptation. And the worst thing that the Sultan was able to, de- to do to you, because he surrounded your soul with Zoyama, his tumor, his venom, was he was able to accrude, to withhold the Kedusha that would have come to you. That Yichud, that presence of God that would have come upon you had you done a mitzvah, if you do an Avera and you speak Lashanara and he's Makatrig, then he's able to take the Kedusha flow away from you and he's able to use it on himself. And that is what causes Tigber Sarah. The occlusion of Kedusha to the Nefesh, which denies it its power, the soul's power, or denies it the Yichud itself to the soul, that the Satan was able to take for itself and use it against the world and against the person himself. This is the results, of course, of the Tigber Sarah. Now, what is important to understand as a result of uh, the concept of Tigber Sarah is that Tegber Sarah generates one of four existential states of evil. There are four kinds of states of evil which result as, from the fact that the, that the uh, evil proliferates. Now, the first state of evil is called confusion. That kind of a state exists when there's a tremendous mixture of evil and good in the same uh, environment. And it's very confusing. It's hard to discern or distinguish between good and evil. There is evil and good in one person. There is evil and good in the environment. Evil and good exist simultaneously in the same environment. That's the first existential state of evil that could be created 
as a result of the Tigbar Sarah. The second state of existential evil that could be created <coughs> was called a state which is devoid or empty of good. <coughs> In other words, the environment is only evil. That is a second existential f- state that could be created as a result of Tigbar Sarah, which was caused, generated by Yom Hashanah. The third state of, uh, of uh, the third existential state of evil that could be created from Yom Hashanah through Tigbar Sarah is the state which is called an alternative rational system of evil. In other words, it wasn't just the fact that the, the environment was evil or a nation was evil. What happened was is that nation actually had a logical philosophical system to justify the evil that they did. That was a rational system of evil. Evil was justified, evil was actually uh, 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 rationalized through a comprehensive approach through logic and through philosophy itself. It was evil made sense in that environment. That was the third existential state of evil that the Sutton was able to generate as a result of the Tigbar Sarah it got through your Lashon Hara. The fourth state, existential state of evil is the last and the worst. It is when the third state is completely comprehensive or pervasive throughout the world and has tremendous intensity. In other words, it is when the framework, the alternative rational system of evil is generated or pervades throughout the entire world. It's tremendously intense. All nations are evil and they justify the evil. It is no more restricted to one locale. It is no more local in nature. In, in, in nature. It is now international. That was the fourth existential state of evil that you could generate through Rosh Hashanah via Tigber Sarah. Those are the four states of evil that you could actually create. Confusion or mixture of evil and good, emptiness, or only evil, pure evil, an alternative system of evil, rational, uh, where evil is rationalized through a, a philosophical system, or the intensity and proliferation of that evil system throughout the entire world. Those are the four states of evil that could be generated as a result of the growth of evil. Now the Torah actually alludes to these four states in the first or the second postic of Bracious. The Torah says, and the earth was toyu, voyu, varu The Torah says that when God created the heavens and the earth, He created the earth. The earth was uh, what's called unformed. It was in a state of tremendous confusion. Things did not have the boundaries that they're supposed to have. Voyu means empty. There was an incredible amount of vast emptiness that was on the world. It was completely dark, and to him, it was covered with a deep abyss, or a tremendous uh, oceanic expanse. It was an ocean, waters that covered the earth. These four expressions really refer to the four existential states of evil. Now, the first, of course, which is toyo confusion, refers to the admixture of good and evil. Good and evil predominate together, therefore there's a state on the earth of tremendous confusion of mixture. The second expression that the Torah uses, which is voyu emptiness, means emptiness of good, only evil predominates. The third expression the Torah uses is called chishach, or darkness. And of course, that darkness is in reference, that darkness refers, of course, to the alternative rational framework of evil. And the reason why it's called darkness as opposed to the light, because it says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And we know that light is really the messianic light, the Orishim, what that, from previous, what that light really meant <clears throat> is the light of the Yichud, 
where the ultimate cause of all reality will be clearly discerned, and that is the yichud of God himself. Therefore, if evil has a rational framework which justifies itself, that is called chushich, darkness, as opposed to the light. The light is the rational framework, the true framework, which is the yichud of God, and darkness is the opposite, contrary, diametrically opposed system of evil, and that's why it's called darkness. Therefore, tohoim, or rather chushich, is called darkness, refers to the alternative rational system of evil. And the fourth expression that Torah uses is called tohoim, which is deep, the deep abyss. The waters covered the earth. Why? Because just like the alternative system covers the entire planet, all nations are pervaded with this evil system, uh, the alternative rational system of evil, just like the waters, which are dark, because there is no light in the waters, just like the waters cover the earth, this alternative rational system also covers the earth. This is what is meant so far by, uh, uh, rather, the Torah alludes to these four existential states of evil, which you yourself could create through the Tikbir Sarah as a result of your sins, which, of course, the Sultan had access to those sins, or the Kedusha's uh, flow from those sins because of the Lush and horror which you generated. Now, I have now identified the four existential states of evil which the Torah itself alludes to. Now, there's an interesting medrash that says <coughs> that <coughs> each of these states of evil really, uh, or rather, each of these states of evil which are represented by the four words of the Torah, embracious, really refers to one, each, one of the four empires that subjugated Israel. Toyu refers to Bovel, Babylon. Voyu refers to Poros or Persia. Choshuk refers to Yovan or Greece. And Tohoim refers to Rome. These are the four empires that subjugated Israel. These are the four empires where Israel had to go into exile under. Now, what is the connection? Very simple. What happened was is that each of these existential states of evil actually was manifest or expressed in one of the kingdoms. That's what it meant that each of the terms that the Torah uses to refer to the four existential states of evil refers to the kingdom, what it really means is that the kingdom itself had the existential state of evil. Therefore, Toyu, which was Bovel, had the existential state of evil, which of course is confusion. Why? Because what was Babylon? Babylon was a very spiritual country. They were steeped into Kishif or magic. And if you take a look at Doniel, you could see Nebuchadnezzar himself believed in God or in the fact that the spiritual universe is the cause of the physical. But the problem with Babylon is they were steeped into Kishuf, Tumor, and they were steeped into idolatry. In other words, there was a mixture. There was good and bad. Good means that they believed that the physical world was, is generated by the spiritual universe. The spiritual universe is the fundamental principle of the physical world. But instead of believing in the oneness of God, they believed in Kishuf, and they believed in, of course, idolatry. Therefore, Bovel, Babylon, was an existential state of evil that was tremendously confusing. It was spiritual and idolatrous at the same time. Poras is referred to as Persia, which is referred to as Vohu, emptiness. Poras was basically pure evil. There was no real spirituality in Persia. Witness the fact that Homan and Ahasuerush wanted to destroy the Jews totally. Persia was an evil Medina. There was hardly any real good in Persia. Therefore, Poras is referred to as Vohu, emptiness. Because the existential state of, e of evil that existed uh, in Voyu was in Persia, which of course means uh, basically pure evil. Yovan is Greece, is the first time we begin to encounter a system of logic, philosophy, and science that would actually explain evil. In other words, Greece provided a rational, fundamental basis of the world. That's why Yovan or Greece was called Chishach, which is darkness. 
In other words, they said that the ultimate cause of the universe is physical, not spiritual. Therefore, they provided the rational framework. They actually had the existential state of, uh, of, of evil, which was a tremendous philosophical and rational framework that explained evil, that explained why the physical basis of the world is not spiritual, but rather based in logic, it is physical. Therefore, Yovan Greece is called Chishek, darkness, as opposed to the Orishan. Because the Orishan, which God said, let there be light, means the Orishan. That, of course, means that spirituality or the spiritual universe is the basis for all physical phenomena. They said that the physical universe is the basis for all phenomena. Therefore, they are called Chishek, darkness, as opposed to that light. And of course, Tohim was called Rome. Why? Because Rome did not initiate or innovate anything new on its own. It merely was the bearer of Greek civilization. That's what Rome contributed to the, uh, to the world. They are the ones that really started Western civilization because they spread the teachings of Greece, the philosophical system, the logic, the, uh, uh, the uh, alternative rational framework of evil of Greece, Rome spread throughout the world. Therefore, Tohoim is characterized as Rome because the fourth existential state of evil was in Rome. Now, these four states of evil, which are manifest in these four empires, how were they created? The truth is that they were generated through the sins of Jews because of Lashon Hara. In other words, the Sultan had access to the sins of Jews as a result of the Lashon Hara that they spoke. As a result of that, he was able to grow Gvura Sarah, Tigber Sarah, he was able to grow. And that growth manifested, manifested itself, expressed itself in four existential states of evil. And each state was given to one empire. In other words, Jews themselves created through the Lashon Hara that enabled the Sultan to access their sins, the Kedusha, the holiness of their sins, and take it for himself. Jews created the Tigbur Sarah, they created the four, the four existential states of evil that existed in these four different empires. Now, the task of the Jew is now what? The task of the Jew is to remove this Kedusha, this holiness, this power that the Sultan has as a result of their Lashon Hara, to take it back from the Sultan and bring the Kedusha, the, the, uh, the holiness, the success, the Oiz back to the Jews and the Teferas, the Yichud, back to the Jew. How does he do that? The Jew must then go into these four empires, reside in them, and remain righteous. When he does that, then the Kedusha goes back to him. It weakens the power of evil to create the existential states of these empires, and then the empires die. That is why they disappeared, because the Jews went through those countries and remained righteous or suffered at the hands of those countries, they removed the Kedusha of the Sultan back into the hands of the Jews, and as a result of that, the Oiz, the power of the Sultan and his Tferas, the Yichud, which he was able to distort and give those nations, it disappeared. In other words, what they did is they obliterated the existential states of evil found in each of these, of course, exiles, as a result of the fact that they, the Jews went into them, they were exiled to them, and they remained righteous or suffered at their hands, and as a result of that, they were able to obliterate these existential states found in these four empires. That is the secret, by the way, of the exile in the four empires. In other words, to vaporize, to obliterate the existential states of evil, which are expressed in these four empires, which have been created by the Russian horror of the Jews themselves. And of course, the Sultan has access to the anika of the sins as a result of the Lashon of the Jews, and therefore has Tikbar Sarah and is able to give that or create the existential states of evil and manifest them in four different empires. That is the secret of Golas, where the Jews must go into those empires 
and reside in them, remain righteous or suffer, and take away the Kedusha that powers the Satan, which powers the existential state which exists in those four empires. In other words, to divert the divine flow of power in Yichud back to the Jews and back to the world. What do we see so far? That what Lashon Hara does, it allows kitrug or accusation to occur, which yields mishpat, which yields judgment against the person. This provides, besides judgment to the one who told the Lashon Hara, the Masapa, the one who listened to the Lashon Hara, Shemea, and the subject, the one they talk about, but it provides unique or nourishment to the Satan through the sins, of course, <clears throat> uh, which is, of course, uh, revealed uh, as a result of the Lashon Hara, this creates enormous tigbura sarah, and we saw that it creates it in one of four possible existential states of evil. And of course, the parameters of hesti yichudu, the concealment of the oneness of God, manifest themselves in one of these, these four states. We also see what Lashon Hara does, is that it enables tumor, or the zoyama of the, of the nochash, of the sotan, to envelop the nefesh, the soul of the individual himself. And the amount of zoyama that envelops the soul is proportionate to the tigbura sarah which the individual created. In other words, the, it is quanti- the quantity and the quality of the zoyama is actually proportionate to the tigbura sarah that the individual created as a result of the Lashon Hara. That zoyama which surrounds the nefesh. Now, the Rebbe performed a tremendous chesed to the person. Why? How would a person know the consequences of Lashon Hara that he... Uh, which he created. How would he know the outcome or the, or the effects of the Lashon Hara? How would he know of the Tigbur Sarah that he created? How would he know what kind of Tigbur Sarah, what kind of existential state he created? And we see that the Zoyma, of course, is, is proportionate both qualitatively and quantitatively to the Tigbur Sarah which he created. Now, how would he know? So what the Rebbe did is something incredible. He created a physical indicator, a barometer or a sign in which a person can perceive the Tegber Sarah itself. In other words, the Tegber Sarah which he created through his Lashon would be revealed to him. Not only that, but the kind of Tegber Sarah, the existential state of evil that he created, would also be revealed to him, and therefore he could do tshuva. So what the Rebbe did is he created a physical manifestation of the Tegber Sarah itself. And the kind of Tegber Sarah that this person created through Lashon Hara, and therefore the person could do tshuva on what he created. And that is the secret of Negoim, that is the secret of Tzarath. Very simply, the affliction of Tzarath which the person received was the very physical manifestation of the Tegber Sarah itself, the growth of evil itself, which he himself through his Lashon Hara had created. <coughs> The Tzaras thus served him as an indicator of the existence of this Tigbur Sarah, so he could do tshuva and undo this Tigbur Sarah which he himself had created through his Lashon Hara. The Rabbani Shlom created the physical phenomena of Negoim or Tzaras to serve as an indicator to the person that he has generated an enormous amount of evil and power to the Satan through his Lashon Hara. Why did the Rabbani Shlom provide this physical sign, namely Tzaras, for the sin of Lashon Hara especially? The reason is because only Lashon Hara enables the Kitrug to occur and the Satan to grow in power. Without Lashon Hara, even if a person had thousands of sins, there simply is no Kitrug, no accusation, no judgment, no unique nourishment to the Satan, and consequently, no growth to his powers and his abilities to promote Hesti Yechudai, the concealment of the oneness of God, which is a true definition of evil. Therefore, Lashon Hara, in light of this, is the worst sin that you possibly can commit. <clears throat> it therefore needs a unique physical indicator to the person so he can do tshuva or repentance 
and either undo or at least not continue to allow evil to grow. <clears throat> With this understanding of what Saras really is, we now understand a strange Midrash. The Midrash says that the four expressions in the Torah referring to Negoim or Tsaras, and these are Seis, Sapahas, Baharas, and Neged Tsaras, really refer to the four empires that, I that Israel is subjugated under. Seis is Bavel or Babylon, Sapachas is Poras or Persia, Baharas is Yovan or Greece, and Neged Tsaras is Rome or Western civilizations. What the Medish is really revealing is that not only is a Nega an indicator of the Tigbura Sarah itself, created through Lashon Hara, <clears throat> but that the kind of existential state of evil one created through his Lashon Hara is also indicated in this kind of nega you had on your skin. <clears throat> because each empire reflects or represents a particular existential state of evil that dominated it. Therefore, when it says that each kind of nega is comparable to one of the four empires, it really means that each kind of nega is comparable and truly represents one particular existential state of evil. Thus, when a Kohen looked at a nega on a person, he could see two things. One, that the person spoke Lashon Hara, creating an enormous Tigber Surah. <clears throat> Two, which particular existential state of evil his Lashon Hara had promoted. Both ideas were revealed by the physical indicator of Tsaras. All the questions <clears throat> asked previously are now simply answered through this conceptual understanding of Tsaras. The first question asked was, what is the connection or relationship between Lashon Hara and Negoim? We now see that Lashon Hara permits Kitrug accusation, which invokes judgment, which nourishes the Sutton if the person is found guilty, which generates Tigbera Sarah, which envelops and surrounds the nefesh or soul of the individual who spoke Lashon Hara. In other words, it envelops this individual with Tumor Azoyama, defilement, which then manifests itself physically as Saras or a Nega on the person who spoke Lashon Hara in the first place. Thus, Lashon Hara ultimately leads to Saras. <coughs> The reason why it says that Negoim come upon him is that Negoim is a natural part of the sequence once a person speaks Lashon Hara and is not some kind of external punishment given to the person. Therefore, Negoim comes naturally and automatically upon a person when he speaks Lashon Hara and is not merely a punishment. The reason why it says that he who guards himself against Lashon Hara guards his soul from troubles and we read it instead guards his soul from Tsaras is because Lashon Hara creates Tigbera Sarah which surrounds the soul with Zoyama or Tuma defilement which is Tsaras but on the soul before it manifests itself on the body as Negoim. And the reason why the Midrash says that the snake or Sutton got Tsaras for his Lashon Hara does not mean that he literally got Tsaras because that can only occur on begotten clothing, houses, or men. But rather, the phenomenon and concept of a physical indicator would now be applied to the Tegbar Surah itself of the Sutton, thus revealing to a person the consequences of his Lashon Hara, so he could do Tshuva. Thus, the growth and evil power of the Sutton would be exposed to the one who generated it through his Lashon Hara, and he could do Tshuva and destroy the Sutton rather than promote its longevity. It is interesting to note that the Hebrew letters of Tsaras, Tzadik, Resh, Ayin, Tov, is really a combination of two words in Hebrew. Yotzas, which means to kindle a fire, and Ra, which of course means evil. Thus, he who kindles evil or Ra gets the repercussions of this act by getting the physical indicator of this Ra or evil, namely Tsaras. Also, Mitzura, which is a person who has Tsaras, is also a contraction of two Hebrew words, Motzara, or in him who was found evil, which refers, of course, to the Tumor in the Zoyama. And, of course, this occurred because the individual who spoke Lashon Aram 
received the Zoyama as a result of the Tiburasara, he created as a result of the Lashon Hara. Therefore, he's called Matsura, which means Matsura, that Ra, evil, is found in him as a result of the Lashon Hara that he spoke. It is interesting to note also that the gematria, the numerical equivalent of the Hebrew words Ba'al Lashonara, he who speaks Lashonara continuously, is the same numerical value as the two Hebrew words Hanochosh, the snake, and Metzera, Metzera being spelled without a vav. And that is because one who speaks Lashonara, of course, arouses the snake or the satan, of course, to Makatlik to accuse you. And of course, you also are responsible for Tikbara Sarah, which of course manifests itself in you physically as Saras, therefore you are a Mitzirah. Also, it's interesting that the word Ba'al Lashonara, the one who speaks Lashonara, also has the same numerical equivalent as Brias Hora, the creation of evil. Because as I said before, when you speak Lashonara, you create Ra, you are responsible for Tikbara Sarah, which ultimately manifests itself in you physically as Negoim.